0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. goodness, it is so good to have each and every one of you. Maybe you are um, joining in for the first time. I don't know if you heard, but we are, uh, this is our first week of doing this. We have a new guest gift for anyone who has come for the first time this year. And so I'm, I'm a little excited about it. We have prayed. I, I've prayed over those. Like, I, I hope it goes to a home uh, that, that God's glory is, is so eager to shine in. And so uh, there's these little tumblers out there. There's some little goodies, chocolate in there a tumbler is a cup i had to be schooled i was like what's a tumbler oh it's a clear it's a cup cool but Tumblr apparently sounds better. So we have Tumblrs out there with some uh, candy, a little card about us, and it's our gift to you. So fill out that Connect card that's under your chair. If you're a first-time guest, if this is your first time, uh, fill that out and turn it in and exchange it for that card. We'd love to have it. Um, maybe you—it's your first time in a long time. It's so good to have you. Uh, my name is Greg McKinney, though. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. Maybe, maybe you're watching online, you couldn't make it in the building with us, but you are here. You brought us into your house. Thank you. Those of you who maybe have to quarantine in the coming weeks, uh, things that are going on, know that we are always on Facebook Live at the same time. So thank you to those who are joining online. Um, I'm pretty excited. We have just a few weeks left until February 14th, which may not mean anything to many of you other than Valentine's Day, but here at Glory Church, it is our the day we're celebrating our first year anniversary, our birthday, all right? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I don't, I don't know if you realize this, but we are a brand new church and we somehow survived the pandemic. God has been faithful, <laughs> hallelujah. Yeah, he has been faithful. We have in this past few uh, months, in the year been able to pivot to online been able to serve our community we've been able to hand out clothing we've been able to still do what the church is supposed to do even though everyone has to hunker down and be on their own we have shown that even in the trial, we will re- reign as the church, God's kingdom. And so I'm excited to celebrate year one with you. It's uh, Valentine's Day. If you can think of like a fun way to pun that, like be punny, funny puns, you know, uh, something like I love my church or, you know, like val- glory time. Please don't do that one. But send me ideas. All right. I would love a way to just like, will you be my glory time? And someone's laughing. There we go. Um, But I'm excited. It is a great Sunday to invite, so remember that February 14th, not just for your spouse, but for your church, all right? You come have breakfast with us, and then you can plan the evening with your significant other. But I'm excited this morning is week three of a series that we started two weeks ago called This Isn't It. And if I'm honest, it has been formed from the dozens of times in my life and the dozens of times in scripture where Jesus steps onto the scene and speaks in his own words, how you're doing it, isn't it? How you see things isn't it? I mean, he's spoken that to me. How you parent Greg isn't it? How you think you perceive yourself, it's not it. It's not what it could be, what it should be. And in interactions, countless ones, Jesus would, would go up to someone and show them how you view yourself it's not it. It's not what it could be. How you view worship, how you view my kingdom, how you view your potential, it's not it. And so we have been taking some time to dive into what it could be, redefining what kingdom life is, redefining what this world should be in God's ways, in his word. And so if you've known anything about the past two weeks, I've been trying to attach on two words for every message that you can remember. Week one, we talked about the two words were spirit and truth. How Jesus said, this ain't it. This ain't it how you worship. It is spirit and truth. It is a different style of worship, a different thought process. It's not one attached to a building. It's not a life that you, uh, you micromanage and separate and segment. But no, we worship in spirit. We bring Christ into all things. And so if you remember last week, then the two words were seeing and believing Seeing and believing and how Jesus said many ways, many times, faith is to be done without sight. Faith is to be walked and believed. We are to believe God is king before we ever see him do anything that we've been wanting we have to believe he's able before we see his ability. And in fact, when we believe and have faith, that actually fuels our sight. So that was the past two weeks. If you missed them, find them on the website, our glory podcast. I'd love to have you join in on that. But this morning, I got two words for you, all right? Two words for everyone. If you're taking notes, it's how I live and what I give is what we're talking about this morning. I don't know if uh, you are, are prepared for a message on living with a generous heart. But I will tell you, whew, we can be stingy people sometimes. But there is this beautiful connection between these two words, living and our giving. Our living and our open-handed, open-hearted, generous selves. And I will tell you, in God's economy, in God's economy, Those are way more connected than we think. In fact, I have something for you. Maybe you're going to disagree with this at first, but your quality of life is more connected to your giving than you think. Your quality of life. Now, the world would push back on that. I don't know if you realize this, but the world would say, no, no, no. No, no, no. My quality of life is connected to my quantity of stuff. That's why when we feel less than the world says, okay, well, what's missing? What do you need to add in? It? Do you need a new job? You, you're struggling with calling? Okay, start putting out the job applications. Or, or you are, you're struggling at home? Here's the answer. More things. The world says your quality of life is connected to the quantity of stuff. Maybe you, you, uh, you want a new home, a new thing, a new uh, job, a new paycheck, a higher, uh, higher earnings. Maybe you want that newest clothes. The world says your quality of life, if you're missing something, maybe it's because you need comfort. Get some comfort. That new thing, that new place, that new area, that type of lifestyle. But in the kingdom economy, it has nothing to do with quantity, quality of life. How I live is connected to what I give, how I give. Uh, The the perception that I have on it, because I read this passage in scripture, maybe many of you know it, I'm not going to read it. It's this beautiful but convicting story of a woman who bashed into a room of a high official a high Pharisee, and he's having dinner with Jesus. And so the scene is all of these, like, who's who are feeding Jesus, giving Jesus their food, and this woman runs into the room, weeping, falls at the feet of Jesus, and breaks some perfume at his feet and starts wiping with her tears, and everyone in the room gets really awkward. It's this crazy, uh, really strange story, but I have to say something. One group of people were giving Jesus food. The other one, the the woman, gave him her all. Now, if we look at this scene, which one do you think is living with a higher quality of life in that moment? The ones cowering over in the corner, appalled by what's happening, or the woman who's at the feet of Jesus, literally living a life? Like Jesus himself would say, she knows how to love. She loves because she's been forgiven for a lot. She loves a lot because she's been forgiven for a lot. The men missed it, but how we live and how we give are so intimately connected, and we forget it all the time. Now, I want you to hear me. Hear me when I say this. It's not bad to want things. It's not bad to ask God for a better home situation. It's not bad to ask God for a better and safer situation. It's not bad to ask God for a new job, that that it will be in better conditions for your family. That's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. Hear me. What I am saying is I think that we need to clarify and have clarity on the connection between how we actually live our stuff and how open-handed we are with it. Because how I live and what I give will determine a whole lot of whether I believe the kingdom economy is real or the way of the world is real. Because Jesus told Peter one time to fish, to to go cast in net, and to pay taxes with the money that would be in the mouth of the fish. Like, the kingdom economy brings money out of the mouth of fishes. Like, that doesn't make any sense. The world would say different It's not bad to ask God for things, but I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, God releases only what will be managed well. Do you hear that? God will release only what will be managed well. Many of us, we ask for God to do something. We pray and pray and want and want and ask and ask and ask, but we don't realize that the issue between what I live and what I give is not this stuff that I'm granting or or pushing out, but it's so much about my heart. And God will not release or deposit, we could say, or give what won't be managed well. And so there's a managing problem in our hearts because how we live and how we give might not be showcased, showcasing his glory or his ways. But I see a woman who invested her perfume in the feet of Jesus, invested her tears in the feet of Jesus, and that was managing it well. So she got forgiveness we have to realize that there's so much more connected how I live and how I give. So I wrote this down. Maybe your life lately has lacked peace. Maybe your living has lacked peace. Maybe how you've lived lately has been very chaotic or scatterbrained. Maybe how you've been living lately has, has had a lack of hope. Maybe how you've been living lately has been a lack of clarity or of what your calling is. Maybe you, you're, you're, you're struggling to know what direction you should go. Maybe how you live right now and how you've been living has been struggling. What if that has so much to do with your perception of your stuff? What if your quality of life right now has been hurt or there's been a hurdle there's been an obstacle placed and it's connected with how you view your things your material possessions what god has given you and how closed-handed you are with it how closed-handed in matthew 6, Uh, Jesus looks out to his disciples, a surrounding crowd, and speaks this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves can break in and steal, but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can consume and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I need you to realize this. Where your treasure, where your possessions are, your heart will remain also. If your heart or your quality of life, it will always mirror where your treasures lie. Like, hands down, your heart will mirror where your treasures are. And so I wrote this. Where your money goes, your heart's going to follow. If it's stored on the earth, please listen, this is This is so applicable to my life. If I store my stuff on earth and I close my hands and I think that I'm in control of it and I think that I'm the ruler of my things, then that is so susceptible to the ways of the world, rust. And not just that, I start wondering why my heart gets hurt because of it. Broken people steal what we have. And we don't realize that that where my treasure is, if I store it up here, my heart is so easily attached to it too. And some of you have wondered why your self-esteem has been pushed down lately. Or your sense of identity. It's because where our treasure is, there our view of our self is as well. But when you hand it to Christ, where no man can touch. When you, you give the reign somewhere else, something beautiful happens. I wrote this, that if my treasure remains under Greg's rule and reign, then there will be parts of my heart that will always Remain under my reign as well. If you c- try to control everything that your money or your stuff does, and, and it, it's for you, your heart will inevitably be then controlled by it too. That stuff. And so when it's gone, your self esteem is shot. Some of you have been there, you've lost that job and your self esteem was stuck. It might be because you didn't store that job in the fact that it was Christ's, not yours. And so we put so much effort and and so much of our self into it and our self-worth that when a robber took it, so to speak, our heart felt empty too. Where your treasures are, your heart will come. And I know this from experience. (laughs) If I try to rule my money, it will inevitably rule me. Anyone feel that way before? If I try to rule my money, it will inevitably start telling me what to do. I start thinking as extremes, or I start thinking either in abundance or scarcity. We don't have enough, and I start losing sleep over it, and I start stressing out. It's because the money is now controlling me, and in my control, things get messed up. But how we live and how we give is so connected. See, what God wants is for us to, to not be ruled by our money, but to resign that throne. Like, to take that and hand in that resignation. I'm not going to try to rule my money. I'm going to hand it over to you, God. I'm going I'm to realize that my stuff is yours. I'm going to realize that this is so much more connected than I think. I wrote this, and I, I've never thought of this, but here you go. Some of, someone's going to be spoken to by this. If my giving is limited. I need you to hear this. This is going to step on someone's toe. You ready for this? If your giving is limited, if you have closed hands when it comes to your stuff, then your living will be limited. You will have a closed hand. You ready for this? If your giving is sporadic. no. Some of you, you meet needs, but you only give when you see a need. You only give that like every other sixth month when you see that people are hurting. And so you're like, oh, I have this and I'll give it to you. I need you to hear this. If your giving is sporadic, then your faith living will be sporadic. And you're wondering why you're in an up and down and up and down and up and down. The people who give sporadic to needs will also only go to God when they're in need. Does that make sense? If you only give when you know a need is there, then you're only gonna go to a savior when you yourself are in need. But when I give freely and I live a life of that, when I live a life of open-handed worship, even in the mundane, the ordinary, the good, the bad, the ugly, my living will be open-handed worship. How you live and how you give is so connected. If you give with conditions and strings attached, you're going to live with it. You're going to live with conditions and strings attached. And I will tell you the worst thing you can do to a church or to a friend or to someone who's not a non-believer is to live with strings attached. Because in the moment that things go stretching, you're out. That's what happens when it's the when I, I give with strings attached but the moment that that this issue comes I'm going to store up. That was like pandemic, right where everyone's like who needs 3000 rolls of toilet paper? It's because we live with conditions and so when issues happen we store. And then we wonder why our living is hurt by it. Who I think one of the most frustrating things was like women's products, and I don't think you realize how hard those are to come by for homeless people. And then I go into Aldi, and all the boxes of women's products are, like, taken. And we're, like, trying to do this, this drive for women products, uh, you know, the, the time of month products, and people are storing them, stocking them up. And I'm like, do you, what are you doing? Like, how many months do you think we're in this? Like, leave it. Like, we can't store up. That's going to destroy our quality of life. Giving and living are so connected. You remember, God only releases what is managed well. I wrote this down. Rulers don't manage. They rule. And if you're ruling your money and your ownership and your things, if you're the one in control, then you're not a manager at all. You're a ruler. And you have to, res- you have to resign from that throne that's life. I see a woman who resigned from the throne of her life and was weeping at Jesus' feet. She handed in the resignation, and that is eternal life. It was beautiful. But Jesus just doesn't talk about this principle. He actually had dozens of interactions. And so as we get into this morning, I want to do the, the last half of this message of looking at a single passage of an interaction that Jesus had with a rich, young woman ruler now do me the favor if you know this story if you uh, have heard it over and over and over can you do me the favor of just char- like challenging yourself to hear it with new years because sometimes our old perception can really destroy what god is trying to do because you'll see really quickly that this man's quality of life is not as good as he may be, it may put on at the beginning of the story. We hear a certain young ruler came, and we think his quality of life is excellent. But I'll give you the spoiler. It's going to end showing his quality of life. He's going to walk away, and scripture says, grieving. So remember how we live and what we give are intimately connected and quality of life is not in the quantity of stuff. It's in something more. And so the story says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 19, it says, then a certain young ruler came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now wait right here. Here's a young ruler who has everything. A ruler, we already know. Rulers don't manage, they rule. So we have this understanding, but look at what he wants. Life, life. And you'll see that Jesus is about to say, if you want life, then this is this word give that's gonna come. But you'll see very soon, the very thing that this man hungers for is halted by all the stuff that he thinks defines him secures him, gives him reason to live. But it continues. It says, Jesus said to the man, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, living, then keep the commandments. And the man said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear a false witness. Honor your father and mother. And also, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And the young man said to him, I have kept all of these. I've done all of these things. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? Now, I think this story is in here for a reason because ain't no one of us a rich young ruler, right? <laughs> we don't have all of those things. We don't have a palace to go to. I think, I think we are reading this with the eyes of lackers, and yet this man still realizes he is lacking. I think it's to show us that even though he has it all, he doesn't. It's to remind us that what you really want at the end of the day, is it a better job? Is it that house on that street with that neighbor? Is it really what you need? Because this man has it all, yet is saying, what do I still lack? Tell me what it is. What am I lacking? But if you remember where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. that man's heart was as stone cold and structured and shut in. Just under lock and key, like all of his treasures were. Just as stone cold and rock solid as the palace that he lived in. That's what his heart was. Where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus continues. It says, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be genuine, maybe your translation says perfect or complete. If you wish to not be lacking, here you go. This is what you do. Go, sell your possessions. And what is that word? give, right? Go sell your possession. If you want life, then give. And so he continues to give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now, if you notice the giving had to happen before the following would even be made possible. Did you notice that it says, then come follow me as if the prerequisite was, I need you to let go of a few things. I need you to show that you don't. Reign and rule over this stuff, but that you yourself are willing and able to give it, to give it, to let it go. And it continues in verse 22. Here's the man's quality of life. Are you ready? It says, when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving. Now Mark and Luke also write of this, and Mark One of the accounts, I don't remember which one, says that he went away with shrunk shoulders. Because he realized, I I, I can't. It says, for he had many possessions. I love that it said that. We got that he's a rich young ruler, but we we get added in because he's got a lot. He's not ready to part with it. And it says in verse 23, Then Jesus looked to his disciples and said this, truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. It'll be hard. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who was rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I was a kid, I had no idea what the eye of a needle was. Like, why didn't they teach me this? I literally thought it was the point of the needle, like the, 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 the pokey part. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense anyways. Like camel's not fitting in, that's not even a hole. But no guys, for everyone's sake who didn't understand, it's the hole that you thread the thread in. I mean, I was the dummy that didn't know that. But think practically, we have a camel and we have a needle. That bad boy is way too big to fit in it. There is, it's too large. You know the phrase too big for the britches? That's why a rich person can't enter into the kingdom of heaven because they are the ruler of their own life. And when they're on the throne, they're too big for the britches to enter into the kingdom of God because there's only one ruler in the kingdom of God and it's not the rich man. This is what was happening and it continues because now the disciples are freaking out. They know they're not that rich, but they're confused And so they said, it says, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Now I need you to hear this. The man wanted eternal life. The one thing Jesus asked was to show that he wasn't the ruler of his life, to give. That's all he asked him to do. Jesus was going to do the rest Jesus was going to do the rest. But this man's inability to open-handedly submit forfeited his ability to have the gift of eternal life. You see, it's impossible for man to do, but by God's grace, glory can come upon us. But this word give is huge. And I just want to like, I I want you to realize this. The word give, it's not just this like charity case. So here, take this. The Greek word for it is so much beautiful, way more beautiful. It means to produce something. It means to deposit. It means to appoint. It means to let other people experience. In other words, Jesus knew that until this man started producing things outside of himself, He was never going to have anything, never going to have even the notion that he needed someone greater. Until this man started depositing value onto others, he was never going to realize how great and godly this Jesus man really was. That until he learns to manage, to deposit, to let other people experience, then he was never going to experience the gift of heaven. His lack of giving prohibited him from asking and experiencing what Jesus was to offer. Now, I have a question for you then. What is your relationship with your stuff? Like, I, I, practically, what is your relationship with your home? What is your relationship with all the things that you lock inside? What is your relationship with your bank account? Maybe it's a, a, a Liberty Bank account, an Arvest Bank. What is your relationship with your paycheck? What is your relationship with your stuff? Need, I need you to realize that your relationship with your treasure and how you operate with it might be affecting how full you feel your faith is because maybe this has been squashed or limited or controlled. And God's asking for a heart that is softened, not a stone-cold heart. I wrote this down, uh, tithes alms as it's called in scripture. Those words, is it about generosity? Yes, it is. Is it about blessing people like you've been blessed? Yes. It is, about, is it about s- supporting the, the, what God is doing in a local church? Yes, that's what tithing is about. But also, I need you to read this. It's a slide. It is also just as much about the stone cold places of your heart, my heart, that God is wanting to soften. That is why we give. Does that make sense? The Tithing, though, yes, God will bless others through the blessing that he has given us. Yes, though God has called us to submit and surrender and believe in a local church. Though God has, has called us to give, it is just as much about what he's longing to do and speak into our hearts. There is growth. There is a fullness of life that I miss when I hold my things as they're mine. There are stone-cold places of your heart that he longs to soften. And the man didn't get it, so he walked away sad. I wrote some (laughs) words down that have been convicting me. There's a stone-cold place of my heart, your heart, that has been believing lately that God can't change your situation. And it's that that he's wanting to soften. And it's so much more connected to your generosity than you think. There are some of you, there's a stone-cold heart, part of your heart that has you perceiving life as either having or have not. And you, you freak out or worry about every decision because it's based on what you will or won't have if you do it. And there's a stone-cold place of your heart that God is wanting to soften as you start doing this with your things. There's a stone-cold place of your heart that has you battling bitterness daily that has you battling anger, hopelessness, that God is wanting to soften as we open-handedly provide him with our things, our stuff. He rules it, not me. Now, I wrote this down. I don't tithe to glory because I think God needs the money. I tithe, we tithe because we need our hearts. I need my heart uncontrolled by my money. Does that mean I need my heart uncontrolled by my money? And so I tithe, I give. Now that might be very strange, but what you need to know is that when we give those words of what give means, it produces life in you when we give. It produces life in you. It deposits life into other people. That word give, it means to produce. It also means to deposit. Your giving produces and deposits life in others. Your giving, it appoints. That's what that word means, giving. Get this, when we give, it appoints Jesus as the ruler. And I also want you to realize this, when you give, it appoints other people as having value because they are worth your stuff. They're worth your time. They're worth your resources. There's a stone-cold heart in the room who has been really struggling to love your neighbor. And I think God has asked you to give to them. And you're like, but they're gonna mishandle it. That's giving with strings attached. You, you know, I don't know, I feel like I needed to say this. There's a neighbor that one of you live by that God has been asking you to provide for them something. You have limited it. And he says, no, you're giving appoints. It produces life for other people. You're showcasing that they have more value and your neighbor has been struggling, friend, to believe that they have value. Your giving lets people experience life. And so, very practically, scripture says some of you grew up like the Bible Belt, and it was like 10, 10%, a tenth of your income should go to the Lord, right? Like that's what you've heard, a 10% of, your, 10% of your, your earnings. It doesn't. Listen, all that God wants is for you to say, God, this is all yours. And at times, you need to battle that debt. And so your giving may look less than 10%, but we do not give sporadic, right? There's other times when when, when God has, has blessed you in great ways and you have the ability to give greater than 10%. It's not about a number, it's about the cheer of the Lord to submit and say, I trust you with it. I trust you with it. Now listen, Kate and I, uh, it's, it's strange. We support raised for our um, first three years. And so we have a team of like 56 people who don't live in, in Kansas City who believe in us as a couple. And so they've, they've given to us for three years for a salary for us. So we're support raised and it sucked. I will tell you, Whew, it was hard to do. But what I know is with that, we still tithe to the work of glory. And one day I want to attack the the debts that we have or the things that we have, our monthly needs, so that we can then be available to sporadically give outside of our committed giving. Does that make sense? That's a goal that you can set. That like, I'm going to be committed to giving, but also like, God, I want to battle these debts so that I can start seeing the need of my neighbor and meeting it. Because generosity is not set to a number. It's a heart that is malleable, softened. And I will tell you, that's what I want for our church. A heart that is softened. So as we end this morning, will you just pray with me? Maybe you can have an open-handed conversation right now. That you can have an open-handed conversation with him and saying, God, my living has been damaged by my giving. And I realized just how fearful I came into 2021 because of what didn't happen that I wanted to in 2020. And God, already I'm attaching strings onto how I live and it's it's hitting my generosity too. My ability to be gentle with others, my ability to, to give freely, my ability to see my resources as not mine and mine alone. So God, change my perception of my stuff. In the kingdom of God, in your kingdom, it is not about having enough money today. It's about trusting that what I do, just a simple fish will provide me with everything I need. And so God, let me not live with haves and have-nots, but with open-handed freedom to say, Jesus, what I have is yours anyways. So direct me to use it as you please. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.